Welcome to the Life Wasted Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood, and for today's podcast episode, we've got something really special for you that I'm excited about. So uh, before we get to that, if you haven't taken 30 seconds to leave a rating and review, I sure would appreciate you doing that. Leave uh, stars and words. It lets us know what you think about the podcast, and it helps other people find the podcast as they search for student ministry content on the platform. All right. So uh, you've heard me talk about a couple times on the podcast that we also have a YouTube channel called Student Ministry That Matters. Um, and I host uh, what has been a weekly live YouTube show over there during the COVID season. There are also a lot of pre-recorded videos, again, on the topic of student ministry and partnering with you as a leader. And so that, that is a channel that is, has content available for you in student ministry. Well, this week, we had such an important conversation that I wanted to take the audio of that uh, interview that I had with AC Sanford and bring it into the podcast, because I know that not everybody that uh, listens to the podcast also watches the YouTube channel, and I didn't want you to miss out on the, this important conversation. So AC Sanford uh, lives in Southern California, is an actor. Uh, and I'll introduce him more as we get into the audio for that, uh, for that interview. Um, but again, I wanted you to hear this conversation because we need to hear it. I needed to hear it. And I think it's something that we can learn from. I, I think it's something that we can make actionable steps from to engage in the race conversation that's going on in our world, both as individuals and AC gives some great thought on how to create space within our student ministries to talk about the race conversation. So uh, it's something we need to listen to. It's something we need to engage in. It's something we need to be a part of. And I hope that you enjoy and that you grow and are challenged from the conversation that I had with AC Sanford on student ministry that matters. So the next thing that you will hear is the kickoff and then I'll be back to close out the podcast after this interview. Welcome to Student Ministry That Matters. My name's Ben. With me today, my buddy A.C. Sanford, uh, and we are super excited to have him to have, uh, I think, a very important conversation today. Uh, you, you are, you've seen the title of the YouTube today, so uh, this is a needed and important conversation about what's going on in our world right now. Uh, and if I could, right here at the beginning, um, I just want to say a couple things, and then we'll jump right into uh, to talking with AC. I'm really thankful, uh, AC, for your time today. Um, teenagers like you that are watching this, man, you believe, because you're in student ministry, that teenagers have a voice and an opportunity to influence in this culture. Uh, you, you spend your life discipling teenagers so that they impact uh, people and not impact people like really far away from today, like sometime later in their life, but right now. Uh, and something that hits really close to home uh, for us in regards to this moment uh, in our culture, in the police brutality conversation, uh, in the race conversation, is that Thursday, as we're recording this, so last Thursday, Six teenage girls uh, from the Nashville area organized a march and protest uh, around Black Lives Matter and around bringing awareness to police brutality and the conversation of our day. 
10,000 plus people showed up. It was, it became what people, what our, our news, local news are saying is the largest that they can think of protest and, and rally and march in middle Tennessee, recent history. So uh, what a significant thing. And this was done by teenagers. So I just want to point that out as we begin that teenagers do have a voice. Teenagers do want to make an impact and they want to make an impact on issues that matter to them. So that teaches us one, that in student ministry, we're right in thinking that teenagers can have a massive impact. The other thing that it teaches us is that teenagers want to discuss these things in student ministry. They don't want our churches to be silent on the issues of race anymore. They don't mm. want uh, our churches and student ministries to be silent on issues like police brutality. Uh, they want to have those conversations on what I think we would say are difficult topics. Uh, as a white man who is a leader in church and as a LifeWay students team, Sometimes these conversations can be categorized as difficult conversations, but here's the reality. They need to be had, and your teenagers want to have them. So, AC, uh, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, we, yeah. go, going back to the Camp Orlando days. <laughs> yeah, I think you were, you were my, uh, I was, I, I think I was an intern, and you were the, the, this, the uh, camp pastor for the week. And you, uh, you brought that thunder, my man. It was, <laughs> I always, I was like, who's this redhead dude? He's about to be speaking that passion. I'm like, what is the deal? <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it was, it was good. Yeah. Well, AC, uh, man, you, you've done, you've poured into the creative process of uh, what we've done with summer camps um, for a lot of years, and uh, an actor. Uh, living out in California now, super involved in the student ministry at your church. Man, I, I would love just to take a second uh, for our viewers just to get to know you, family, that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, well, you can see behind me, uh, I'm the father of two little girls. Uh, my wife, Katie, is a, uh, is a therapist here uh, in the Los Angeles area. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, born in Detroit. Uh, lived there till I was nine, then moved to Orlando, Florida, came to know Jesus at the First Baptist Church for Orlando, right there uh, in the heart of Orlando at around 13. And then after that, I uh, just started, uh, the Lord found uh, creativity in me uh, or gave that to me, I should say, as a gift. And um, whether that was acting or dancing or um, doing some sort of uh, creativity in the church, I was there and I was doing it. Um, so uh, it was because I was there and doing it that uh, the passion started to just grow inside of me to do it professionally. Moved on from there to do uh, regional theater and then um, and then to do movies and uh, went to the University of Central Florida, got a BFA there and then uh, moved out here um, and then just been doing the thing since I've been here, man. I've done a lot of work for, for you guys over at Lifeway as well and it's been fun. Man, we've—you've uh, made a huge difference in uh, in the work and ministry that happens here. Um, man, here we are uh, after a lot of days of protests and uh, voices being heard, and here we are after tragic death after tragic death uh, with 
Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and countless others that we've, no, we've not heard about. Uh, and the voices um, in the streets of our cities all across the nation are loud and needed. Uh, and you and I talked the other day and you had mentioned something uh, that this, it feels different this time. Um, yeah. And, and you had posted a, a, a question on your Instagram that I, I think it would be perfect for us to start with today. Mm-hmm. And that question was uh, some, somewhere along the lines, I, I forget how you worded it exactly, but it was directed towards white people. And the mm-hmm. question was, what is different for you this time? Right. And uh, it was interesting because uh, just it seems nationally, um, Christian or unchristian, but mostly uh, because we operate in these Christian circles, it seems like this time is different uh, for a lot of my white brothers and sisters. And uh, at the time, I wasn't really understanding why. So um, when you when you see like a Louis post something, um, when you see uh, uh, even even like my most Southern Baptist of churches uh, posting, uh, very conservative churches that you would never see posting that type of deal. Um, even my church, the First Baptist Church of Orlando, having a conversation about it. My church here in Los Angeles having a conversation about it. Um, the most conservative of conservative of conservative churches uh, and people talking about it. It was it was interesting to me, you know. So I wanted to ask people why, like, what was different about this? This was not the first time that we've seen a black man uh, killed on camera uh, through police police brutality, uh, and uh, and I and I could imagine it certainly won't be the last. So which what which what was it? And I was so surprised at the number of. Uh, answers that I received and the number of uh, quite frank, uh, honest answers. I gave a, I, I kind of gave a, um, uh, like a, like a disclaimer, hey, I won't have any judgment and I just want to have a conversation. And it was interesting. I went through every single uh, response and, and, uh, and gave a response and it was, it was so um, telling for me, you know. I think at this point, there's a lot of uh, understanding that this is different, mostly because the videotape is so clear and so gruesome. And combining that with all of us kind of being at home right now, where our attention and our ears are all perked up, we can't really ask too many other questions besides, I see what is on my screen right now. I see that. This man has his knee on another man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. That's a problem. Uh, The Jesus follower that I am, the Holy Spirit in me, uh, propels me to act out of that. Where I think a lot of my brothers and sisters um, who are white before, uh, and it was showcased in in that conversation that I had, uh, have mostly aired to the side of skepticism because, hey, I don't know what this person did. You know, I trust my police. Uh, I have a relationship with police and law enforcement, law enforcement and military that there could never be any sort of uh, outside 
uh, perspective of like the, any wrongdoing, uh, where, whereas the black community uh, at large does not share the same sentiment. They, uh, I should say, we just uh, have a, uh, a fraught relationship with law enforcement. And so um, there's a not, not a lot of trust. And so for, uh, for my white brothers and sisters to kind of see that, understand that, ask the question why, and for their skepticism to come down, I think that was really powerful, you know? Yeah, man, I, I responded in, in, your, uh, in your story about that. And, and my statement was, one of the things that's different for me this time, I think is a, uh, a punch to the face for me that hating racism, expressing anger and sadness over the experiences of black brothers and sisters, yeah. being sad, being angry, hating racism is just not enough, right. but that it must be acted upon. Right. Those feelings must push me inwardly to act and speak outwardly and to use whatever uh, platform and friendships and conversations in that way. And so I, for, I'll, I'll say for me, that's been one of the biggest things is that internal feelings have to push outward into outward action on this issue. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, again, I can only speak for me, uh, but that that's kind of where all of this for the last six weeks has kind of landed and rested on me. I'd be curious, uh, what are some of the other things that you're hearing um, of from my the, yeah, from why this is different? And here's why I want to ask you that question, because white evangelicalism has uh, a bad history of reacting and then going away yeah. and reacting and going away. And so I want to capture the why right. so that we don't go away. That, I mean, and I'm, I'm glad that you said that. I, that is my biggest fear. I have a lot of skepticism. Um, I'll, 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 I really want to answer that question. You know, I was, I was just walking down my street the other day where uh, for the most part, my, my neighborhood right now is probably like 10% black. But I was walking down my neighborhood, and uh, on the corner here, there was right across the street from a bougie coffee shop. Uh, <laughs> there was these these people holding up a sign. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and, and they were they were you know on both sides of the corner here. And I and I and I just kind of looked, and I was just like, you know, I hope that this makes it that it's it's great to do this. It's great to to post to protest to do all things, all these things, please make this back to your places of work, to your dinner tables, to Thanksgiving, to Christmas, to uh, your uncle who's gonna make that off-color joke about this whole entire process. And you have to say, you know what, man, I know this is really uncomfortable, that you, you really shouldn't be making that joke. And that's gonna really mess things up at times for your family. But uh, unless you do that, unless you are actively speaking out of that to your golf buddies, to your uh, to your women's sort of uh, uh, mom's day out club that you may be having, uh, 
were your park days to 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 uh, the lunch that you share at the pizza shop with all your coworkers and there's no one black. That's that's where these battles need to be had even more. But I'll digress. So, um, uh, so you said like uh, whatever whatever I've been hearing. I think for the most part is that it's like AC. Like uh, you know, I I just I didn't know how to I, how to react before. I, I felt that um, if I would have said something it would have been uh, construed the wrong way that I'm talking solely from a white perspective that I'm trying to make it about me instead of about the person who is being affected that if I say something, I'll be kind of uh, seen as controversial from my white brothers and sisters, from my family, from uh, my coworkers. But now I feel emboldened to say something because I see everybody else doing it. And uh, it seems like things have changed. Um, and, 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 I, and I congratulate that and I'm, I'm thankful for that. But we've seen this kind of thing before during the civil rights movement in the 60s. There were white brothers and sisters that were on you know, Washington with MLK. Uh, during the 90s, with after the Rodney King riots, there were yeah. a lot. There was a lot of things that were going on, and people felt like hey, people felt some type of way about it. Um, post OJ, there were a lot of uh, opinions going on about a lot of things. Even though uh, the national sentiment has changed towards that case, it would it, it divided our country pretty straight during yeah. that time. Um, but uh, and then we come into the social media age with. BLM and um, and we're able to really see all of these things without the filter of the national media and the national media takes up on that. Uh, we've seen all these things before, so I I don't want to be skeptical. I want to be uh, I want to be like hopeful. I am hopeful, but we've just seen this kind of thing before. What has been encouraging to me is the boldness a lot more that my white brothers and sisters have been taking even though I know grandparents, aunties, uncles, moms, and dads, uh, especially from people uh, in, in, like, like just in our sort of age group then, like there are a lot of people that are saying, okay, I'm gonna, enough is enough, I'm gonna stand up, even though the people outside of my circle or in my circle might not all agree with what I'm doing or, or the measures that I'm taking, I'm gonna do something. And I, and I yeah. congratulate people on that. I just think the step, the work is the work is just starting. Yeah, man, you had posted a, a Instagram video the other day of your pastor uh -huh. having a conversation with one of your elders, pastor, white man, one of the elders of the church in this conversation uh, is a black man. Yeah. And that conversation, I thought, was such a great conversation. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that stood out to me, that's a conversation uh that we've been having in our home and that we've been having with other people in, in my life is the elder uh, of your church mm -hmm. said, hey, I'm glad to help bring understanding and I'm glad to help ask answer questions. But at some point, if you love me, you'll do some work yourself mm -hmm. and you'll seek to understand and you'll seek to read and you'll seek to do not just to say, oh, where, where's my nearest black friend? I need to go say, help me understand. Uh, 
but that you'll actually do work yourself so that that conversation can be, be more robust. And so you can actually say, man, like, I care about this and I care about you. So I am going to go learn on my own. I'm going to spend some of my own brain power right. to try to formulate my worldview in, in regards to this subject. And I, I just bring that up uh, because I think that's an important point of learning um, for white people in this conversation right. is that I, I think one of the best things, yes, have conversations, uh, but go learn too on your own. And that, and that's, I think for my kids, as, as we seek to raise a family, uh, that's, that's a conversation that Kristen and I have been having and we have entered into the learning process of this and the reading on our own. And, uh, man, it's provided a lot of space to have conversation. And so, uh, I wanted to say thank you for sharing that, uh, video. It was a great conversation between your pastor and an elder. Yeah, I, I mean, they will, I'll pass that message on and they'll be very thankful that you said that. I I agree, man. It's, uh, although I am, I, I see myself as a, as a bridge person, as a reconciler. Um, so I don't, ha I don't mind necessarily having those conversations. It's hard for me when I find my white brothers and sisters who are just sort of deniers of the entire sort of yeah. problem uh, that, you know, 1865, Emancipation Proclamation, end of the Civil War, there is no other problem after that. Yeah, um, it just all goes away because of the piece kinda, of paper. It evaporates <laughs> into the ether. You know, we're all sort of uh, arm in arm. And then, you know, and then we talk, well, what about, you know, another hundred years into the Civil Rights Movement? And it's like, well, then after that, everything was great. And you're like, okay, what about all the, like, the mass incarceration that we see of, of African-Americans where uh, African-American men only make 6% six, uh, 6 of the population, but make 40% of the criminal justice um, uh, systems uh, move to imprisonment. Like, what is that sort of deal? And it's just like, well, and then it just becomes really, really sort of like nebulous. And I understand that. How do I make a difference? And if you love me, please do your own research. I understand. I, do this, I have to do this in my own life. Uh, do I understand every aspect of the Me Too movement? I don't, uh, but I have to check my own privilege and understand that uh, I am more likely to not face the same type of pressures that a young woman is going to face at the job, in ministry, um, in a lot of different places. So I have to do my own research so that when I'm in a conversation with someone who's different than me, a young woman who, or a young woman who's gonna face uh, things that I'm not gonna face, that I don't have assumptions or presumptions about what her experience may be like. Um, and that's important uh, so that I can, uh, the next time there is a, 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 a big deal going on that I would have been actively or actively trying to get rid of that type of oppression on that group of people. Um, I'm not an immigrant. But uh, I need to understand the immigrant's experience in regards to coming to America, the difficulties that would be. I walked across the desert in New Mexico and how traumatizing that would be to leave all of my family and friends and my home uh, in refuge of a safer land or 
just of opportunity, what that looks like. So I have to do that my own work myself in that. And uh, black people are just asking our white counterparts to do exactly the same type of deal, that same yeah. type of work. And I think that's an, that's an important thing uh, for people to hear, for me to hear, uh, for others to hear, because I think that's one of the things that's going to fight against the just going away. When, right. when we fast forward three months from now, what, what is the conversation going to be? And I think we prevent the going away by educating ourselves and having important conversation. So uh, AC, knowing a little bit about you and knowing uh, a little bit about where you grew up, yeah. Um, and our, our audience today is a lot of people that deal with teenagers and work with students uh, on a weekly basis, sometimes daily basis. Uh, you know, student ministry. So it can be any hour of, it, of any day. Two o'clock in the morning. That's right. <laughs> um, you grew up, uh, yeah. you mentioned Detroit to Orlando, mm -hmm. um, and your student ministry experience in Orlando uh, was one where. A, one of a few black people in a predominantly white student ministry and church. Yeah. So uh, talk about that experience. And I would love, I would love for you to just take the floor and, and, and run with what that was like. Yeah. So you grow up in a, in an all black household <clears throat> with a black family. And then you come to know Jesus uh, at this very white institution. Um, and then automatically, right off the bat, you see that there are economic differences between you and your your white counterparts, um, uh, which is which is interesting. And you see that, like, as you are forming into your teenage life, uh, that you don't you can't really react or do the same sort of things as your white counterparts in um, in in the student ministry. Case in point, let's say you're let's say. You are a young black woman who uh, is coming into her own and is going to a youth camp or a mission trip or something like that. Um, you are probably, and then you, like you are shaping an identity around um, the, the affirmation and attention of, of, of other boys just because you're seeking that at that age. The likelihood is you're probably not going to receive as much attention as your white counterparts, so that's going to put you at a uh, emotional sort of like not disadvantage, but like it's going to set you off a little bit. Like, oh, I'm not as valuable as uh, Allie with the blonde hair and the blue eyes, and and I can't, I'm not like her, or I, you know, I just can't jump in the pool and get my hair wet like she does. There's differences. That's one for me. You, you start to realize that, oh, as you are starting to like uh, just different girls in the student ministry, that there are certain things that you can't, that are taboo. You can't go up to uh, Allie or uh, Cassandra or uh, Katie and just say, hey, how you doing? Katie's, and, and maybe start a relationship with Katie or Allie or, or, or Cassandra because their dad might not really agree mm -hmm. with this and they know that. Uh, they know that like coming back home and, and really being boyfriend and girlfriend won't really sort of um, won't won't be the same as if um, Allie or Katie went uh, went back home with Kenneth, you know, what I'm saying or like that, that that's a different yeah. sort of story. Um, you start to see economically just how different your life is from uh, people 
uh, just in the same town. I, I, I could remember just thinking, uh, uh, my church had a school that was attached to it that I think at the time was between eight and $10,000 a year for uh, a student. That, I mean, like now that I'm a grown up, I, I can understand that that's not that much money. But like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Back then, uh, it was like, whoa, you pay for school and this is amazing and your experience is a lot different. And, and, and it's just so jarring to see. Uh, and you ask why, like, God, why? Why are these things this way? Mm. And uh, like, why at my school are we eating these type of lunches and, and, and we're having schools in portable and it's hot in the summer and the air conditioning is not really working and the bathrooms are disgusting and you know the school books are falling apart and why is that happening and then over here like even in the white public schools it's just completely different you just start to see that and then yeah the grand equalizer that should be student ministry it feels so different between the two you are always uh the only black person there you're there at a young age to be a sounding board and uh, to really ask answer questions for a lot of things. I've heard in student and white student ministry. Uh, I've heard as a as a uh, student in white student ministry, uh, all black people can jump high, right? Well, you're going to go to school for free, right? And why? Why would you think that I would go to college for free? I mean, because you're black. Don't black people go to college for free? Hmm. Uh, no. Uh, why you didn't really jump that high? I thought you'd be able to jump higher than that because you're black. Oh, okay. Uh, you were like the most unfunniest black guy that I've ever met in my entire life. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, wow, you played basketball terrible for a black guy. All right, okay, mm. all right. And so just hearing that over and over again, you start to realize, oh, wow, um, I'm different than everybody else here yeah uh, yeah so i mean that i mean that was my experience i don't know if uh that was a lot of other people's experience but i i would imagine it would be the same yeah man thank you for being willing to share that uh a couple things i just want to pause and say um feel free to put questions in the chat i will make sure that those get to ac uh and that we can answer questions and i know like this might be a conversation uh, that is a little different than I'm going to ask a question about training my volunteers. But, you know, usually questions flow when it's something easy. Uh, but in this one, man, I would encourage you, feel free to put questions that you would like for AC or for us to talk about. And here's another thing that I think is worth mentioning that uh, um, I, I take away from a little therapy work that I'm doing on my own is that... Uh, it's okay to have messy conversations and ask messy questions. And I think many times we don't enter into conversations that need to be had because we want them to all be perfect and buttoned up. And that's just not life. And sometimes a messy question leads to an important conversation. And so you have freedom to be messy here. And, uh, and, uh, I, I, Kiran, thanks, buddy. And Yasmin says so good and accurate AC. So uh, your discuss your discussion there um, on the black experience in student ministry and what that's what that's like. So uh, I've heard you talk too about the difficulty 
uh, and the challenge of having a multi-ethnic student ministry. Um, and you've been involved in student ministry. I grew up in, in it from when you came to know the Lord in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been involved in student ministries in large and small scales your entire life, uh, either right. in building creative experiences or leading as a producer, uh, actor, and then you're involved in the weekly daily discipleship of teenagers in your own church now. So uh, I've heard you talk about how the the challenges of having a multi-ethnic student ministry. So I'd love for you to, I'd love for you to address that as well. Yeah. I've heard a lot of um, white pastors or youth pastors say, you know, I really want a very multi-ethnic student ministry. And I, and I hear that and I go, okay, cool. That, that, that sounds great. How can you do that? I always understand though, that how, how difficult that is as the white, the white big church, we, we call, you know, I'm saying everybody knows what I mean when I say big church in, in regards to student ministry, there's usually yeah. really, there's the main programming with the pastor and then all the entire congregation. And then there's student ministry that happens somewhere in the building or, 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 and whatnot. And uh, usually uh, whatever the, the senior pastor, his sort of like deal and his dealing with the congregation politically or, or, or how, you know, this, these three families are kind of like, sort of like financing 70% of the church's sort of work. Uh, if they usually have a lot of opinions. And so if, if an opinion is, well, we're gonna sing these types of songs on on on, on Sunday, or we're gonna have these type of people on on uh, on the stage on Sunday, and if that's not a diverse sort of deal, um, the the senior pastor or the team usually isn't as inclined to sort of rock the boat in that way. And so, uh, what happens is that ideology trickles itself all the way down to the student ministry. Yeah, and so. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I really like gospel. No, don't get, don't get me wrong, but, or I really like that type of music or she's a really great singer, but like, do we have to have her or, or, or him sort of leading all the time? I just, I just don't know how to follow it when he's like up there singing. I just, I just don't get it. Or, you know, um, you know, I like it when he preaches. Don't get me wrong. I really do. I like it when he preaches. He just, uh, he just, he's just, I don't know if he's like the same culture as us do you get what I'm saying mm-hmm. and then it's like those type of conversations when they're happening um they're not they're not being really inclusive and whatnot at the big church level so it's really hard to trickle itself down now so you have to ask yourself are you making your student ministry as comfortable for those black and brown students as possible like it's not just cool that you have like a really great social media strategy and you guys got video games there and you play basketball but are you like making are there are there black and brown people on your staff or does your staff reflect the city that you or the neighborhood per se that you minister to yeah ac i don't know where i can find the black and brown folks they're there they're there uh, that are that are Jesus followers that 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 want to work on a church staff. They're there, minister to like find them when they're eighteen. Come alongside them, grow them up, and then release them into the world to do the exact same work that you are doing at the well-funded, well-resourced white church. You know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. you can do. 
Um, but if you don't have that, if you don't have black and brown all the way down to the intern level, all the way down to the youth worker um, volunteer level, maybe, maybe you're not providing that type of environment for black and brown people to come and, and to feel comfortable enough to be a part of your ministry. Yeah, man, we're, we're getting a couple questions I want to throw at you. Uh, but in terms of transitioning to those questions, because I think the second one that Jody asked, uh, and then Haley, uh, it's good to see you, Haley. We'll come back to uh, hers in just a second, because it's a little bit more specific, and I think really, really important. Jody's question, how do we encourage holistic conversations all the way to the lead pastor, pastor, parents? Uh, so I, one of the questions I had written down that I think will help attack that one is how do we create space in student ministry for students to have these kinds of conversations? Because what I mentioned at the very beginning is we had uh, teenage girls from Nashville organize and plan this big march and protest. Uh, that was an amazing, beautiful thing. Our teenagers in our ministry want to talk about this. Yeah. And I would argue need to talk about this. Yeah. And would argue even further that if we're going to disciple teenagers, then the topic of race can't be left out of that discipleship. Absolutely. It is, I am, it is, it's linked together. We can't just talk about atonement and we can't just talk about salvation and we can't just talk about forgiveness of sin and leave out the practical application of how discipleship influences my view on race. And so, how do we create space to have really honest, raw, transparent conversations with teenagers in student ministry? Right. So I think the first thing in leadership is to really look yourself in the mirror and see where you have been culpable or really been a part of this ongoing divide, per se. Like, where, where are you to blame? And then you say, okay, all right, I know that there's certain musical choices that I don't like. I don't know why I don't have that many black or brown people on my staff or as my youth workers. What can I do to start doing that? Okay, so you start that work. That's going to take a while. In the midst of that, I think the value of why you're going to do it really shapes how you do it. So why you do it, because you don't want to launch 15, 20, 100 very ignorant, wholehearted Christians into college, into the workplace, into the military, where they say, I grew up at a, as a Christian person. I knew the Lord X, Y, and Z. But on the issues of race and whatnot, I'm a little bit sketchy on. Mm -hmm. And then they go to university, whatever, and they're in a, in a dorm room or in a classroom setting. or And then they say something that's off color to the Black person that's in their dorm or uh, at the cafeteria. And why would I wanna be a part of that gospel? Why would I wanna be a part of that, that Jesus? Why would I wanna be a part of that community of people if they don't even recognize my own experience as being valid? And mm -hmm. you don't wanna launch that. So along with launching someone with sound theology and sound faith and a sound grounding and understanding of their standing in relationship to their, their, their salvation in Jesus Christ, they also need to know that they, uh, that God has made all people in his image and he has made all people equal in his image, in, in, in him. I mean, 
in regards to him. So, uh, and having a, a humility in that. You don't want to launch, you know, all of these 17 and 18 year olds who are just like, yeah, my, my church really never talked about this. And then uh, in their twenties are asking, well, why? And then they, they sort of look back and like, you know, my, my, my church was also culpable in this. They, they had yeah. something to do to this, you know what I'm saying? So you want to keep this conversation ongoing. How to do that? A million ways, like we're doing right now. We're having a public discussion. Hop on. All y'all got them Instagrams. Hop on that. Hop on that Instagram live. <laughs> somebody in your city. Uh, find somebody. Talk to them. Let's talk. Hey, uh, we're going to talk to three different students on our Instagram live tonight about their experience. They're all seniors in high school, and we're just going to talk about this. It might not come out clean, but we're going to have a conversation about this. Okay, cool. You know, Rayshawn, what's your, what's your experience? You know, uh, when I'm going to camp is one thing, but when I come home, I'm in, I'm in abject poverty. Also, along with that, I get stopped by the police all the time. I don't, when I have to go into the, the gas station, I keep my hands out because I don't want people to think that I'm stealing something. Oh, that's interesting, Rayshawn. I'm glad to hear about that from your experience. That's not my experience. I, I validate that. Okay, cool. That's a start. But to be like, you know, I don't really want to have this kind of conversation because, you know, there's a few people at the church that's going to really upset. Ugh, what's your mission and goal when you make disciples yeah. in your student ministry? You have to ask that question. Man, that's good. Thank you for that. Uh, Haley's question um, that I mentioned we'd, we'd come back to. How do we help students navigate wanting to stand for what's right and act on their convic convictions? while still honoring their parents who may not be on the same side of the argument. So uh, this one's a tough one. And I'll, I'll, I'll translate it. So we've got, uh, let, let's build the scenario here. White family, teenagers, man, I need to speak out on this. I, I need to be engaged. I need to be involved. Parents, they're in the, I just don't know about this category. The biblical mandate honor parents mm -hmm. and advocate for people can you honor your parents i guess this is a question can you for you um as you you stepped in so many more pastoral roles uh can you advocate for people in regards to um i mean i guess the kid can always say well listen i'm also advocating for the unborn i'm also advocating for uh, the oppression of, 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 of immigrants that are, or sex trafficking that's happening in Haiti or India or Ecuador or Mexico or Atlanta. You know, I'm, I'm advocating yeah. for all of these things. I'm also advocating in the same regard, mom and dad, hear me out, say this with humility and grace, hear me say this, and I love you and I appreciate your opinion with civility, but hear me say this, like, these people are in the same category as all of these people that I laid out. I, because I, I, I have a sanctity of life that I am uh, observing, I'm also observing a sanctity of life with this community of people who for 400 years have been oppressed by a lot of things. And it's hard because when you're a student, you're really not as eloquent or um, uh, just knowledgeable about all the details. So you can really be cast to the side as, well, you're unaware, you're just being emotional, you're, you're, you're just kind of getting swept up in this sort of like whole propaganda machine. You don't yeah. understand what you're talking about. And I guess we can all do that to some extent. But uh, I would say to parents, 
when you see your student having those type of like deep questions within their heart and asking, don't shy away from it. It actually won't impede on your life whatsoever if your student has a deeper understanding of, of, of a subject than you do, or your, your kid has a deeper understanding of a subject than you do. All it will is just challenge you. And we can all, as Jesus followers, if we, if we call the Lord our Lord, we can all be challenged and become more aware of darkness in this world. So yeah. this is tough. I mean, um, it's part of like really part of discipleship because there are going to be things at the college campus, at the, at the workplace, uh, in the military that will challenge that student's faith and uh, challenge that student's um, standing up of things. So why not start now? Yeah, man, Haley, I, I would say too, as a parent, I know when my teenagers uh, come to me, I have middle schooler and, I, and a, about to be high schooler. Mm. And when they come, <laughs> they get, I'm, I'm old and they are getting old too. Uh, man, I, when they come to me and want to talk about something, um, when they do it in a certain way, I, I respond differently, right? Mm. Like if they come at me, I, I'm going to, regardless of the issue, it could be about, I want to stay up later tonight. Right. When they, when they come at me with one uh, particular way of argument of calmness and humility, like you mentioned, and just saying, hey, let's have a conversation about this. As a parent, I'm much more likely mm. to engage in that conversation. And so Haley, how do we help our students? I think one of the biggest things that we can help our students with is how to have a humble conversation with a person of authority in their life. And how can we train them, not necessarily on what to believe about this, but how to articulate in a, in a way that doesn't come off as I'm 16 and I know everything, right. <laughs> because that can certainly happen too. Yeah. Uh, but to still be able to articulate a belief system that comes from scripture mm. and do it in a humble way. And to understand too, that the parents in that situation, uh, I mean, AC, you mentioned a moment ago, parents, grandparents, great grandparents, there's a belief system that is constructed over decades mm. that teenagers are having to filter through. And they're saying, and I would say this about, what the white teenagers in white homes that are having this disagreement. Uh, they're having to deconstruct decades of construction, mm. decades of underlying racism that may not have been thought about as racism a year ago or six months ago, but now with fresh eyes are seeing, dang, I've got some racism in my family. Right. And it may not be enough to just say, I'm anti, I'm against racism. But now the onus is on me to actually speak up about that now. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a, it's a helping teenagers understand that, yes, speak, yes, speak humbly to those in authority above you. But also, this is a chip away type of experience. Uh, outside of the Holy Spirit, a person is not going to wake up tomorrow and radically change their point of view. Yeah. It is going to take a lot of small steps and steps that we have to be willing to take. Not, man, this is going to take a lot of work. I'm out. 
let me go, let me go away again. But a lot of work to say, I'm here for this work. And it's going to be a deconstruction process over time. Here's another question. Uh, Kiran says, what are some cultures, uh, what are some cultures in a predominantly white student ministry that someone new to the paradigm paradigm may not understand? For example, I was not used to having an older adult be sarcastic with me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, like the authority that adults bring in um, black uh, life, I'll say, um, is a lot different, especially like in the church and in the um, uh just like in a, like the student mentoring type of relationship per se, uh, it's a lot different. Is you know, hey miss, whatever, yeah, hey mister, and then you go to like the white <laughs> church and it's like, you know, just call me Steve. Come on, hey Steve. Hold <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, uh, great, great, great. Oh, uh, hey Steve was saying, hey, I, I'm just like you guys. Just call me Steve. Come on over. We're gonna, you know, I had a I had a youth leader in my. Um, it was, I, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of guys that in my early experience that like wanted to dive deep into like, hey, I'm gonna disciple this dude. Like I'm gonna disciple these guys. Uh, my first um, sort of youth leader, his name was Chris. And he, he started, he was just like, all right, we, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna come pick this kid up and we're gonna go mow grass. We're gonna mow grass together. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pick this kid up and we're just gonna go play basketball. And uh, that and I and I and I'll always thank him for that. I didn't have a dad in the home, so like that was huge for me at 12, 13 years old. Huge, like huge. And so um, there's a lot of things that like, but he just wanted me to call him Chris. He didn't want me to call him like, hey, hey, Mr. H. It was like, no, I, I'm Chris. Just call me Chris. Um, so I, I think that that's huge. That like, there's some other like cultural things like. Um, you know, just kind of like the white bro fraternity aspect of a lot of like student ministry things that were coming together. Uh, you don't you don't really realize that like these guys kind of hang out and like they you know they get hyped up on some uh, on some energy drinks and they're ready to kill it all <laughs> night long. They're ready to go. You know what I'm saying? And uh, <laughs> they, like. <laughs> You know, the student leader said, like, we're going to bed. They're going to stay up to 3 a.m. Because tomorrow is this is fun. And you're just like, my mama said I need to listen to these people. So I'm going to bed. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, it's stuff like that. Um, there are, are like, I mean, in heavier ways, like, uh, you know, like the respect of adults. And, and uh, I, I don't want to talk about like that as like that. Like, my, black people are not a monolith. So it's like all of us don't do the same thing or have this, the same sort sure. of like home, uh, home background. Um, but yeah, there's definitely like uh, differing cultural sort of expectations between uh, black and white of what you expect the student ministry to be. And, and you know, uh, a lot of times, and I'll, I'll admit this, I, I found a lot of the white student ministry in, at times to be really freeing uh, between me and my student leader like we could just have a, a conversation it always felt like in a small group like we can be vulnerable and really talk through things instead of like uh just sort of like casting it away as it didn't matter you know what i'm saying so 
uh, for those things, I appreciate it, but there's definitely differences for sure. Man, how are you? I know you're, uh, we're, we're coming to a close. So just uh, another question and, uh, and then we'll, I know you got a busy day going forward, so we'll let you, we'll let you run, but um, I know you're super connected to teenagers in your area and across the country. Mm -hmm. Um, How are you seeing teenagers specifically respond and engage right now? Because I I think it's important for student ministry people Mm -hmm. to do good cultural exegesis and study on teenagers. We've got to know the culture if we're going to reach it. So how are you yeah. How are you seeing them engage? You better get you a TikTok. You better get you a TikTok. <laughs> I'm saying. Um, I, surprisingly, I'm seeing a very, very high engagement. Um, and I don't know if this is just kind of like this cultural peer pressure that is happening across uh, on this subject. But white and black, it seems like that like the message is getting across to this generation that A, this is our world and we have to shape it. And B, like silence no longer is okay. Like, I just can't sit this out and be like, no, you know, this is is fine. If all the cast members on Outer Banks on Netflix have put together like their, like have posted about it, then I gotta, I'm following them. So I gotta, I gotta say something. You know what I'm saying? Uh, If my youth pastor is now talking about it, I gotta say something. If the cool college girl that I follow uh, for her sort of her grams, is she going to say something? I got to say something. So uh, because we are so much more connected now than we have been in prior generations, uh, I think the onus upon this generation is to do something. So I've been seeing people react, white and black. For my black brothers and sisters that are uh, Gen Z, I should say, they are getting out and doing things. And... um, Hey, even my like, even my white counterparts are like, all right, we can't we can't do this anymore. We got to go out. We got to do something. Um, and the the protest is just the first step. So what I'm seeing, and, and it's a first step, and it's it's a relatively easier step. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's not where it ends, but I'm seeing yeah. kids really do stuff. I was talking to, um, you know, early on in the protest, there were uh, there was a lot more looting, and so it, it, the national sentiment around them were was front. Uh, there was like one way or the other people felt about it. And so I, I reached out to one of my former students and like, you know, who's like 18 now. Hey man, what's up? What are you doing? He's like, yo, I got to go out. I can't, I can't let this moment pass me by. This is our generation. I have to shape it. Hmm. My former students was like, I, I got to go out there and do it. And so I've seen a lot of my students out doing things, participating in the conversation because they know this is their world and they have to do something about it. This, this coronavirus, along with this, this um, sort of racial unmasking per se, is yeah. an opportunity for this generation to step into activism. And they've always wanted to do this. They just didn't know how. And this is, this is providing them an opportunity. Yeah, that's good, man. Uh, what are some, I've written down a couple things along the way. Uh, what are some like last takeaways? Uh, we had a question, what intentional steps can be taken and implemented? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Well, again, like we've, we've said this before, education is, is, is key. 
uh, as a student pastor, youth leader, whatnot, know, know, know uh, that this experience is real and look at yourself in the mirror and see, you know, how, ha how have you really been a part of this? Uh, and, and then commit to like no longer letting uh, this type of thing just go to the wayside. In student ministry, really do everything you can to disciple, maybe you don't have any black kids in your, in your student ministry, maybe you just don't, like, or black and brown. Like you just, I don't know where on the planet that you live, that there's just no black people. <laughs> but like, <laughs> it, it exists somewhere. You just don't have any, any, anybody there. But like what you understand what you are doing, and I know it can be out of sight, out of mind. Hear me out, I understand that. But understand what you are doing and launching people into the world. Uh, and you are the people that are shaping their value system at this point. And if race is not a part of that, so actively have those conversations like talk to your student, like this needs to be an ongoing conversation. I can't stand when they get up and just talk about race. I can't stand it. I understand, oh, it can be really annoying to some people in your church, mm -hmm. but they, their hearts need to be shaped as well. Why do they yeah. have to keep talking about this? Because it's important, because it's yeah. important. So even in student ministry regard, like don't just wait for the next event, continue to have this conversation, continue to have a conversation. And you have to figure out creative ways to do that in your, again, social media is great. Have public conversations about it. Have a have a panel on a Wednesday night gathering that you have. We're gonna have we're gonna have John up here. He's gonna talk about this with us. We're gonna have a conversation about it, uh, and you guys are gonna be able to text in questions, and we're gonna put them on the screen. Cool. Okay, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, do that, and then do what you can to not make uh, the black kids in your student ministry, let's say you have them, as just projects but really disciple them. This is not another notch in your belt. This is not another thing to just say that you're diverse. You are launching those kids into the world as well. And you don't want them to have a disdain for uh, white evangelical teaching or, or practices. You want them to uh, love Jesus and love the church as a whole. So do that. Man, that's good stuff. Uh, thank you. For that these are good good action steps and good conversation today um i know uh tnap 0721 uh was the one that uh put that question in there um and if if you're looking for specific things you're like okay i want to jump into some education i'm looking for some specific things i in no way have the game plan laid out but i'll share with you some of the reading uh audience share with you some of the reading and, and watching that I've been doing uh, and feel free anybody in the chat to put in helpful uh, here's what I've been doing as well this is not a this is a dialogue YouTube channel not a monologue YouTube channel and so uh, I want to I want to hear from you but some of the things that uh, that we've been reading in our home watching and uh, along these lines again this is not the perfect plan this is just where I've jumped in um, so insider outsider uh, is the name of a book. Uh, Brian Loritz uh, is the is the author there. Um, some other <laughs> some other ones. Uh, Chris, Kristen is my wife, and she's been reading "Divided by Faith." Uh, that's a lot more research based, and so we're we're reading these two, and then we're going to swap. Uh, so that's what as uh, we're doing. Thirteenth uh, is a uh, show on Netflix, a documentary on Netflix that you can watch. 
um, that speaks to the mass incarceration that AC mentioned a moment ago. Um, and then, so we, we, we watched that and I'm telling you, uh, white people, it is eye opening. Uh, and so that, that is another resource that's available for you. Um, and then white fragility is another, uh, is another book that you can, that you can check out again. This is not the perfect game plan of understanding, uh, but it's a place to start. So Yasmin has put in uh, color of compromise by Jamar. Tisby. Uh, also, yes, uh, Kristen and I were talking about that one the other day. So um, check that one out. Uh, she also mentions to follow United Street Tours. Uh, it's a ton, ton of impactful work around being anti-racist. So another great resource there. Social media, United Street Tours is a place to go. Um, and When They See Us also on Netflix, which is about the Central Park Five, I believe. Yes. Um, which is on our on our watch list from as same, well from the same director as uh, as uh, as the thirteenth as thirteenth yeah um, Yasmin thank you for watching and hanging out with us today by the way it's great to see you uh, great to see you there um, okay well AC I cannot say thank you enough uh, thank you, for for friendship over the years and for hanging out with us today. Mm -hmm. uh, Thank you for your perspective and for and for taking time to do this. Thank you, brother. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Uh, I hope that you have been challenged. I hope that you have been encouraged. I hope that you uh, have some actionable steps that you can walk away with. I know that I was all of those things personally as AC and I had this conversation. Uh, we can't ignore this. We've got to press in and we've got to think and to live Christianly alongside our brothers and sisters uh, in Christ and our black brothers and sisters as we seek to understand and be vocal about this issue. Uh, we as the church can't miss the opportunity to reveal the gospel's activity in our lives by the way that we study and learn and engage in conversations on this very important topic. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. We'll see you next time.